This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to another thrilling, exhilarating, and fun-filled episode of the Blurring the Lines podcast. This is episode number 73. I am your host, Peter Nicolaitis, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Adam Bell. Morning, Peter. <laughs> How the heck are you, Adam? I am doing well. It is, it's warm and sunny down here in Tennessee. Excellent. And I am happy to announce that in addition to Adam, joining us as sometimes is our special guest co-host, Tim Richter. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. <laughs> Fantastabulous. So since Adam decided to rub uh, my nose in it with the uh, weather report, Tim, I offer you an invitation to do the same. What's it like down there? Um, oh, oh, it, it's, it's just miserable. It's like, I don't know, about 65 um you know real real sunny uh i'd, I'd rather it was like 70 or 75 you i know, know. Uh, there's that's, there's that's I, I will i will say there's no snow on the ground but i will also say that one of my employees is uh, is about to land in boston right now and uh really? yeah he's he's going up there for uh saint patrick's day it's one of the things he oh. said on his bucket list was go somewhere where there are uh, where there's a large Irish contingency for um, the Irish holiday. Nice. Well, and he's going to get exactly what he's looking for, and I hope he enjoys it. Because I've been in Boston for St. Patrick's Day before, and um, it was an experience. So I, uh, I guess I'll add that to my bucket list so that I can just promptly check it off. <laughs> yeah, done. Well, I've been in uh, Key West during um, St. Patrick's Day, and that was pretty interesting because you know, it's a pretty hedonistic place, unlike Boston, which is very puritanical. It's pretty repressed. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was thinking that uh, Key West might be more fun like during Mardi Gras or something, though. Well, they had a big parade and everything. I mean, like, it was it was pretty crazy. A bunch of old people going nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So, um, so let's. No, notice uh, I'm let's staying very quiet in this. <laughs> yeah. I, I have. I was I was trying to be nice to you and just move right along, so you didn't have to comment. <laughs> so, um, speaking of that, uh, updates from last week. What do we have? Uh, speaking of old people, uh, so. Got a CrossFit update, you know. Of course, this is this is week four of the CrossFit Open, and uh, it was a little depressing. Um, you know, week one, I was like, it's kind of a progression of, yeah, I can do this, I can hang with these elite athletes too. Yeah, I've got so far to go, I don't even know that I can make it in my lifetime because <laughs> I've only got like nine years before. Uh, you know, I have to go to the master's division anyway. Uh, but today it was handstand push-ups. Do you, do you know how to do a handstand push-up, Peter? Like it's on paper. Yeah. On paper, Well, on paper, it, it, it is just like it sounds. Uh, and it's a, it's a, um, grouping of exercises called, fondly called Diane. They name these really hard ones after women. Uh, and it's it's Diane, so it's twenty one. It goes twenty one handstand. I'm surprised that that still flies. Like I thought that would be banned along with the um, with the whole idea of um, you know naming uh, hurricanes after women only. Yeah, well, yeah, I think I'm sure of, there's some there's some hashtag out there to just you know to rebel against it. Mm-hmm. Well, Me too. I, know, I know that there's a an, an exercise or a group of exercises called Murph. So that sounds like a man's name. So, probably. so it wouldn't be that hard because <laughs> you know, you know, we we all know that women are stronger than us. Oh yeah. Well, okay? that, well, that's why that's why they name this because you know I I can I can say I'm married. My wife is much stronger than I am. She can put up with a lot more than I can put up with. Well, CrossFit is very humbling in that 
there are, I mean, the women in the class, that's the thing that I noticed is, you know, t in the traditional gym where you're just lifting pure weights heavy without all of the, you know, kind of like Olympic gymnastic technique, uh, the women can really push some weight. And if they're doing, if they're doing it right and you're relying on strength, they're going to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's all about the technique for CrossFit. So anyway, so you had to do... 20, 21 handstand push-ups and then 21 deadlifts with 225. Eh, not so bad. But then you do uh, uh, 21, 15, 9. Then you increase the weight up to 315 or 325 for deadlifts. Do 21 deadlifts and then you handstand walk for 50 feet and come back and do the deadlifts the same weight. 15 and 9 and you complete that and you had to complete that within nine minutes so i had to do scaled i mean i probably could have finished the handstand push-ups but i i was still concerned about because uh, when you're doing handstand push-ups and when you get fatigued and you relax all of the weight is on your neck and i'm 229 right now and 229 pounds sitting on my neck is not a good idea so I decided to forego that and do scaled, and I did pretty good for scaled. I think, I think you need to have a stronger neck. I, I'll work on that. <laughs> I am going to work on it. I'll try to do better for for next year. But it's given me. Uh, there's a lot of exercises to work, and it just it's a reminder of how just how strong these athletes are and how versatile you got to be. You know, because if you're competing in the open like this. And they're so different exercises. You got to be strong at everything, and you got to be agile at everything, and fast at everything. So it's like, you know, it's tough to do everything. So that's what kills me. Because some things I'd like uh, the scaled was doing push-ups instead of uh, you know doing the handstand push-up. Well, a push-up for me is nothing. I, I flew through those. So scaled was too easy, but. RX was impossible, so. But <laughs> yeah, I am. I moved up in ranking though. I'm 137th in the world in men. <laughs> That's impressive. 100 137,000th. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, decimal yeah. point. That's that's less impressive. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Anyway, so that's the CrossFit update. Next week is the last week, and then I am going to take a week off to um, just recover because I've real, you know, you really push hard during these these competitions, and you push a little harder than you do in normal. So I'm going to let some things heal up. Like I don't have any problems, but if I keep on, I'll have elbow pains and knee pains and neck pains. No, don't do that. Don't yeah. do that. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've taken away recently from my yoga teacher training studies is you don't get anything by plowing through pain when it comes, you know, when it comes to your training. Only thing it does is it increases the duration of the pain and takes away from your training time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess the only exception to that would be physical therapy, which is done under the right pain, not like right. pain, I, pain. I, I, Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there there will be there there are times when when pain is appropriate, and uh, if you have a degree in administering pain for uh, recovering purposes, then sure, go for it. Yeah, all, all I all I heard was a degree for administering pain, and after that, my thoughts just went elsewhere. <laughs> uh, Tim comes from the pharmaceutical right. world. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do. I do. I come from the pharmaceutical world. You know, now now that I have diabetes, I've got to see, you stick a needle in my finger. You know, multiple times a day. It's it, it just I oh, I get pain all the time. You know, isn't it amazing? There's still not a better way to do that. I mean, I, I don't know what that other way would be. I mean, to because you've got to test the blood, but it's just we've mm -hmm. we've been doing this for so long i would figure somebody would come up with a way that you could do a scan of through a portion of the skin which is the capillaries are really close or something i don't i don't know i mean obviously yeah. obviously i don't know <laughs>
<laughs> but maybe, I agree. I maybe agree. one day they'll. Well, I mean, Bones in Star Trek. I mean, he just did a waved a scanner and he's like, yeah, you look normal. Dialysis. Barbaric. Barbaric. Oh, so, so I've got a so. Uh, this is a little bit techy, uh, but I kind of had an update that I was uh, a, a little excited about. So, Tim, you know, Tim's in cybersecurity uh, as part of business, and Peter is a cybersecurity expert officer. And so, of course, my company does that as well. And we've subscribed to a service that, that falls along the lines with Splunk, you know, that the, the big boys play in, and that's Event Tracker. And we had our first event yesterday at one one thirty, and so uh, we, you know, we went into action on it. So I mean, which was kind of exciting because it was the first time we've had one, and we, you know, not that we want somebody to get hacked or whatever, but it was a uh, a the accountant, you know, the controller in a company, his uh, event logs were cleared, which is a you know you. All of a sudden, his event logs are cleared, and but I have no that's sign. That's a sign. Somebody's hiding something. So, either a virus is hiding something, or an accountant is doing something that they shouldn't be doing, and is hiding something. Uh, and I'm by no means suggesting, you know, when I had the call with one of my guys about it, I was like, you know, I am not suggesting that he's doing anything nefarious, but these are the kind of actions that we would consider nefarious and it turns well, out something weird is happening something I mean, weird yeah yeah and so the user got the bright idea he ran cleaner on his own computer which he shouldn't be doing which cleared the event log so it turned out i was out, gonna say cleared the event logs yeah turned out I was gonna to say be, that's a great thing <laughs> yeah. cover your tracks yeah turned out to be nothing but he was uh warned and to not do that again and if he were doing something with nefarious, which I do not think that he was, I think he was legit. He was trying to fix some browser issue. I'm like, well, why didn't you call us? You know, so he was trying to clean up some cookies or whatever. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, but he knows that he can't do that anymore without us getting alert and then somebody checking his computer. Because we do. Big make, brothers watching. Big brothers watching, and we make full backups of those computers every single night so we can view the event log from yesterday but like i said that was exciting and fun from a geeky cybersecurity standpoint i was like nice (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah uh, that's uh something we we deal with with that a lot and it all generally comes down to is if you don't want people doing something you need to not let them have the ability to do it in the first place Mm mm-hmm yeah, because they'll That's, they'll experiment they'll, they'll experiment and try and and get and they'll do stuff. Given enough time, even the most well-meaning employee is going to do something that you don't want them doing, and it's not always malicious. It's often you know probably more often than not, it's them just trying to do their job. But for whatever reason, you know the tools you provide, they're not as flashy. Or, you know, like, I don't know how to, um, I don't know how to share this file with your corporate share file account, but I know how to do it with my own personal Dropbox. So I'm going to do that, mm-hmm. you know, so we see a lot of stuff like that. Well, and you've got a larger base of, um, employees, right? You I mean, you've got thousands of people that you're dealing with, right? Mm, yeah. We're on any given day between 10 and 20,000 now. Woo. Yeah. We're dealing with about four. But I'm referring to my, you know, I'm referring to my small business, you know, client base as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cool. So that's all I've got on Event Tracker. And then um, somebody's listening or paying attention to our podcast because we got we got some uh, emails from uh, the the Google of podcasting. <laughs> 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 Google of podcasting. That's not a business model I would be on. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just do Google. I don't know. <laughs> That's why. Oh, so so Tim, you're back on the show. Why are you back on the show? 
Uh, you asked me? Because <laughs> we did, we just chatted last oh, week. Oh, yeah, we, we, <laughs> chatted, we, chat, we, we chatted last week, and we didn't get to any. We didn't get to the topic of the, why we were here. Yeah, yeah, we had catching up to do. We had catching yes, up we to did. do, and we, we had did. we had such a good time with him that we had to bring him back. There you go. Right. We had a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, I hadn't talked to you in a, over a year. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Yes. So, well, cool. But so, let's not start that again. Let's not start that again. So we. Well, if you count, if you count that, it's been two or three years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in in the vein of business disaster recovery and home disaster recovery, we're going to just kind of chat about these and maybe give our listeners some uh, tips about what they could do and well, business users aren't you know any it people listening they they could do something else about it as well but peter you are going to be our business disaster recovery expert of the day oh goodness <laughs> you, you gotta tell me these things before before you task me with them man. Now, that, now, now this sounds like a business disaster recovery right now or business disaster. <laughs> so so let me uh let me lead you a little bit peter so what I mean, instead of a business disaster recovery plan, what would be the best plan? Business continuity. Continuity. Plan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, BDRs. You know, it's going to be part of your BCP. Right. So, I didn't know where you were going with yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah. So, so what? Yeah, yeah. You need to have a business continuity plan, and your plans for recovering from a disaster needs to be part of that for any business. Now, that said, it's hard to um, there's there's no two no two no plan is going to fit you know any two businesses right. So right. everybody's plans for business continuity are different because everyone's plans for business is different, right? Um. That said, you need to have some sort of uh, procedure or at least give some thought to what's going to happen when, not if, stuff stops working, Mm -hmm. right? How are we going to keep doing our business? Now, I know the bulk of your, what's your client, your uh, target market these days? What's a typical, typical customer? Medical. So small medical, um, some legal and then uh, distribution and light industrial. Okay, um, so, but but how like typical number of seats or number oh, of employees? between twenty and fifty. I mean, we've got some with more, but that's our that's kind of our sweet spot: twenty to fifty to a hundred. Okay, so a business like that is probably not going to be able to just say, all right, everybody, you know, our main office is down. Everybody work from home today. Mm-hmm. Right. Not, you know, especially if it's in any sort of manufacturing and, you know, medical, if like you have patients coming to, to the office, <laughs> can't just say like, oh, you know, I can't see you at the office, but just come on over to my house and, uh, you know, I'll examine you here. <laughs> yeah. So this is a clear case where they need to have some sort of continuity plan. Mm-hmm. And that's where you know a disaster recovery plan needs to fit into this. Um, the idea would be that they're going to have to get their, you know, let's just take a, an example of fire at the main premises, right? Um, if the building's not accessible because there's a fire or something similar, they need to have a plan on how they're going to get back to work, whether it is relocating to another location or, um, you know, or just, Hey, we're going to be down for a period of time. And as you know, a lot of small businesses, if they go down for a period of a week, that's usually enough to get a lot of them to close their doors permanently. Mm -hmm. So this is something that needs to be thought about. Once that's been analyzed and accounted for, we have to look and say, okay, what are we going to do from the technology side to get our, you know, our tech working back in working order again? And this is where a lot of people really, you know, a lot of businesses that I've seen just fall down flat on their face because they either don't think about the possibility. They 
overtly state, oh, I prefer not to think about things like that. <laughs> yeah. Or they just assume things are always going to work or they just assume that they have full on backups. <clears throat> and I, I, honestly, I've lost count of the number of times I ran across this in small businesses where people, uh, you know, systems, they thought they had backups and they didn't or they were doing backups on a manual basis. And then when that person who did the backups would go on vacation, they just had no backups. Yeah. Never giving any sort of consideration to what's going to happen if you have a disaster while that person's on vacation. So that's something that, you know, people need to think about it. And I know, listen, worst case scenario planning sucks. Thinking about things that are unpleasant sucks. I have on my to-do list, and I have for several months now, to draft my advanced care directive, right? I got to figure out what's going to happen when I'm incapacitated and can't make my own medical decisions. I've been putting it off because it's not pleasant to think about. Is that right? No. <laughs> Am I making myself, you know, things any better for myself by not thinking about it? Absolutely not. So, um, you know, that's just an example. It, it's human nature, but that doesn't make it right. So, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's my sort of my intro to, to BCP and BDR. Yeah. And well, so you, one thing that you brought up well, and I've done, done some research cause I am preparing a webinar on this, uh, is the system downtime for a small business, a medical practice is roughly $8,000 per hour. So they could lose $40,000, no, eight times eight, 64, $64,000 per day for a week. Being. And, 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 and I think that that's per office. So if you have multiple offices, uh, it, it's multiply that out too. Mm -hmm. And then enterprise, you know, if you're looking at a big company like, like Peter's company, it's 600,000 per hour. That really stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it puts it into perspective, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, mm -hmm. guys, we're, you know, we have to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be what we would normally think of as a disaster like fire, you know, tornado, flood. It can be as simple, if you want to look at um, technology-wise, it can be a ransomware attack, because we've heard of that in the news. Mm -hmm. That that could be a disaster from the technology standpoint. Yeah. It could just be an outage, you know, it yeah. could just be a power failure. Power. It could be, yeah. we, we had, oh, this is like five or six years ago. I remember um, one of our hosted exchange resellers had an issue and they went offline. And I remember Sam, my right-hand man and I were um, talking about, um, you know, talking about the excuse that they wrote out to all of their customers. And it was something that's like, you know, during some sort of an upgrade, you know, there was a problem with our our data center provider, Savas, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's really nice and artful how you guys are trying to, you know, sort of imply it was their fault. You know, you name the data center provider. It's like, guys, you're still at, at risk, you know, or you're still uh, accountable here. Yeah. They say, you know, our data center provider, uh, there were errors during uh, the, um, you know, during a power upgrade, yada, 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 and that caused this outage. And Sam's comment was, you know, like while swapping out some batteries, some idiot dropped a UPS on our SAN, effectively taking out our entire operation. <laughs> Wow. And I love that visual instead, you know. <laughs> so, well, and a couple other reasons why you might want a disaster recovery plan is regulatory bodies. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, um, if you're in real estate, if you're writing real estate deals now, they're even required to have a disaster. They've got to go through a threat assessment and they have to have a disaster recovery plan in place. And it has to be documented and tested. And there has to be a plan. Who's the regulating body? Who's the regulating body who's requiring that for real estate? I wish I could. T if you hadn't asked me, I'd be able to tell you. Uh, but one of my real, well, a couple of my real, est real estate clients, they are, they're required. I'll, I'll have to look it up and add it to the notes. Uh, but yeah, they're they're required. Uh, people who do uh, like the uh, what do you call it when you do a lookup to s make sure that there are no other owners of the property, that there are no de it's a clear deed. Title search. Title search. Title search. Yeah. So uh, attorneys who are doing title research, those are the ones that have to have make sure that they're not 
infected with malware and pushing stuff back out there because they're they're That's pushing awesome. back up. Yeah. So, but other you know banks are required medical are, are now required so there's so many regulations that you have to have a disaster recovery plan in place and but let's look at let's look at not even the requirements i mean you have a it, i don't care what size business you have you have insurance in case something happens flood fire you know some type of destruction why don't you have a plan of what to do if if you're going to pay each uh, every six months or a year uh, some large dollar figure it behooves you that you're going to you need some type of plan of what to do to how to get yourself back mm-hmm. i mean if if you're willing to pay the money why are you know to 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 essentially have insurance this is just another type of this is just how to utilize that insurance mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's you people shouldn't need a regulation for it they should be smart enough to realize that they're going to need to have a plan in place mm-hmm. well and i think they should i think yeah. peter kind of let you know imp, imp, well he didn't imply he said the human condition we don't mm-hmm. want to think about the bad things so we keep pushing them back like i need to do this disaster recovery plan i need to plan for if my health goes bad you know it's easy to say but then when you really start doing it you're like uh i think i'm gonna go it's nice outside i need to walk the dog or i need to go eat you know <laughs> we we avoid it <laughs> so i think it's human condition but we need to power through that i mean if you're going to be a responsible successful business owner you're going to power through and you're going to do the hard things that need to be done um, another reason if you if you ever want to sell your company part of the planning and when they come in and do their research of your company they want to see that you have a disaster recovery plan in place i've seen that mm-hmm. yeah there's a there's a lot this this is falling under the categories of due diligence and i like right now not unlike uh, you mentioned real estate i'm in the process of selling another one of my properties and it's just like the bank the financing bank is coming in and they're asking to see all these different stats on the property that's being purchased and it's it's no different you know they want to know do you have insurance do you have a sprinkler system has it been tested it's just the same thing this is you know what what is the service that's provided by a condo well occupancy what's the service provided by your business that would be whatever your line of business is and just like with that you know you need to have some sort of contingency for when things go bad how are you going to get back up on your feet again same Mm -hmm. idea well and and tim you mentioned insurance and you know everybody has a number that they would be like willing to walk away from the business you need to have enough i mean you need to have enough insurance on it to where you know is it you know i'm 10 years into this company obviously it wouldn't take me 10 years to build it back to here again but if my business blew up and i got an insurance check for three million dollars i'm like do i really want to build it over again i mean that may be part of your disaster recovery plan have enough insurance so that if it gets blown up that you just don't do it again (laughs) yeah yeah i can i can uh, i can see that although it'd be a lot easier to build up because of the business that you have, your income doesn't stop just because your office gets destroyed. Yeah, yeah, I don't get an easy, I don't get an easy button. But I mean, yes. we, like I said, we all have that number. I mean, if somebody says $3 million, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I can't sell it for that much. I'm out. <laughs> uh, hope none of my guys are listening. <laughs> No, they're figuring out how much they'll take to buy you out. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll sell it today for three million. Any listener wants to give me three million, I'm out. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so Peter, one of the things that I I I called it my data protection exercise, and that is to uh, to sit down and and think about all of the data that you have and and what's it worth to you to protect you know and what would be all of the scenarios of a disaster 
you know, and the only way to do that is really just sit down, unplug, get away from the computer, get away from email, and just sit there and think, maybe over some coffee and without distraction to think about all the scenarios of, you know, I, if this happens, can we survive this? Can we do this? You know, who do we need to get a plan? Especially if you're in a business, you don't have to be the one who does all of the work. You can delegate that out and you've got office managers or people that help you and they're, they've got information. So you can delegate some of that stuff out. Office managers, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be someone who knows about all lines of your business, though. I mean, that's something, again, in a small business, you don't see that as much, granted. Um, but especially as a business gets bigger, you get real cases of tunnel vision. And that is something that still does not cease to amaze me. I run across it every week at the hospital. And people really, really have this tunnel vision where they only see... They, they only ever think about their responsibilities, their specific roles and their specific tasks and assets that, you know, for which they're responsible. And especially in a small to mid-sized business, well, mid-sized, sure, but in a small business, that just doesn't fly. You know, you've got to be familiar at least with, with all sorts of aspects of, of the business. And when that comes for uh, any sort of business continuity or disaster recovery, that's especially the case. So we see that a lot where, you know, like these, these people are responsible for these, um, these systems over here in this corner. And that's wonderful, but then they need to interact or they need to be part of a project that um, involves the entire organization. And there's just like no comprehension. They don't get, they're like, well, what do you mean? You know, like well, we only have say, you know, like a thousand servers. I'm like, yeah, in your department, but over there, there's like 500 others over there that you didn't think about. Oh, I didn't think about those. We don't work with those. I'm like, right. But you kind of have to, because if those 500 servers are unavailable, guess what? You know, we're not providing patient care and that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. So in a small business, you may not think about, uh, you know, I don't know, you may be uh, the head of engineering, you know, because I could see like in an architecture or an engineering firm, uh, they're like, oh, did this, uh, this sounds like a technical thing. Let's just hand it off to the lead tech person. So now the head of the engineering department has to come up with the uh, disaster recovery plan. And I've seen this where they go through and come up with a whole plan has no consideration given whatsoever for payroll <laughs> now tell me if um you know if you lose your systems the day before payday and everything's down and unavailable do you think anyone's gonna notice <laughs> yeah. they'll notice they'll notice the day after <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly they will notice so so my point to that adam is like yeah i totally agree you definitely want to go away you know and have sort of like a retreat when you're when you're thinking about these things but I don't think you just want to delegate it off to one person. I mean, if you're if you're a three-person company, fine. If you're a 30-person company, I think you want to have someone from each department that's, you know, that's critical to operations definitely chiming in. Yeah. Yeah, you want to get all of those heads of departments and interested parties and and the other thing that you brought up is uh it's not just IT. You know, if the like I said the payroll, the accounting staff, the there's everything that needs to be taken into consideration. The electric bill. Who gets the electric bill? How do we pay that bill if we don't have the address and we don't have access to email? You know, what's the account? What's our account number? You know, all of all of that stuff has to be gathered. And it's it, you know the same with utilities and all the other aspects that keep a business running besides IT. IT is becoming a very important part of everything. Uh, and without IT, they won't function, but it's, they've got to have the rest of the body as well to make it healthy. Exactly. IT is becoming the head, but, but you still need the rest of the body to function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see here. We're quickly running out of time. But this all <laughs> again. again, again, again. See what happens when we get right to the chase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Uh-huh. I think it's having me on here. For some reason, you know, it's just you completely run out of time. Mm-hmm. So I did want to, well, unless there's something else we want to hit from the business side of things, I also wanted to hit some home disaster recovery uh, things for our listeners who are not in a business or don't well most everybody's in a business they not be may not be business owners or their role doesn't involve disaster recovery planning but every home everybody who lives in a home should have also have some sort of disaster recovery you're, you're talking about those people who are fortunate enough not to have to be concerned with business disaster recovery Yes. Yeah. Well, even even the even the people who are concerned about business disaster recovery, they go home at night. They 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 usually do go home. most of the time. They try to not go home all at night. of us. Yeah. No. Sometimes we have to work late. <laughs> so so what are what are some tips that you would have to well one to keep your data safe at uh, home. Uh, well, let's let's start out with start out with the get a safety deposit box or some type of box off-site that you can keep copies of your important paperwork. So how much does a safety deposit box cost, Tim? Well, uh, for me, it's free because uh, the particular checking account that I have at my bank offers a certain size free. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, it can be anywhere from $35 to $50 a year, which is three to four bucks a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, 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 that's, you know, they don't charge it by the month, they charge it by the year. But uh, we have the smallest size that our bank offers. And um, I mean, we have in there like, uh, we don't keep our car titles at home. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't keep we keep a copy of our insurance policy. We, we walk around the house once a year with a video camera and just slowly pan for in room to room with what's in the room. Open the closets, pan the closets and then take the copy of that uh, little video and pop it in a safety deposit box so that it because one of the big things lately is insurance companies going, how do we know you really own that? Yeah. Um, I love how they'll take your money the whole time too, and they say they'll cover it, but uh-huh. then till then, then yes. like, wait a minute. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of this stuff. Um, I, I mean, our passports, birth certificates, all. I mean, I, I had to get uh, you know now you get your driver's license changed out for what's called a real ID because your driver's license, at least in North Carolina, is not good enough to go in another year and a half to uh, get on an airplane. It, it has to be a real ID, uh, which which there has to be a whole bunch of supporting documentation. And so I had to get my social security card, my birth certificate, my, uh, you know, my um, passport. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. And where did I go? I went to my safety deposit box and I've got, uh, you know, Tim's personal things in a uh, manila envelope in there. I just took the manila envelope out carted it away and brought it back a day later um so i mean that that's the first thing i think that you know people can have a safe in the house but if if your house hit by fire you know two minutes at a large or even 10 minutes at a at a high heat before the things in it burn up you got to think about whether you know is that really a a satisfying conclusion to your important documents um Next is technology backups. Um, you know, back up your computer. Uh, personally, I use a, a product called Backblaze. It's the one I recommend everyone. There's owns other ones out there, Carbonite, Mosey, things like that. I like Backblaze because of the fact that it has Mac and PC, and it's a set it and forget it. What I like about it is you install it. It you don't tell it what to back up. It backs up everything except the operating system files because if you need to get a new computer, you're going to have to put the operating system on it. You're going to have to go somewhere. You're going to have to buy it with the operating system. And the restore, you just click. It finds Word documents, pictures, stuff like this. You don't have to tell what folders, anything. It doesn't have size limits. You just, again, it's a set it and forget it. It will choose what to back up based upon is it not Microsoft Word, the program. It'll back up Microsoft Word documents. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are, there are a ton of other ones out there, but get something. What does it cost you? Again, if you buy, you can buy it per month. 
like I don't know four or five bucks a month or fifty bucks a year. Uh, you, you get like a month or two free if you pay for it for the uh, yearly. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's well worth it. Um, it's it's great to have a Mac with a time machine with a hard drive sitting off the back of it. But a, you know, have something happen to your house and you've lost your family photos. Uh, or you get a uh, you get some type of malware on your computer that uh, you know encrypts or deletes everything attached to your computer. It's gone. Um, you know, a, a, an attached device. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what you have is you know the the other thing that I've been doing is my wife loves to scrapbook. She has scrapbooks from when she was 16 years old. For for the benefit of all of our listeners out there, I will not tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> but, uh, or maybe it's for my benefit. Uh, but but ten, it, 10 years ago, Tim. <laughs> yeah, ten, 10 years ago. 10 years ago. There you go. I, 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 I married very young. Uh, so, uh, but what it... Um, what I've done is I've taken the scrapbook and I've digitized each page of every scrapbook. There's about 30 scrapbooks. And I did that because if we have a fire, uh, she now at least has a copy of those one time memories and it's scanned into the computer and it is sitting, uh, sitting out there. I have one of the things I inherited five years ago when my mom passed is I inherited all the pictures of myself, my brother, uh, you know, and they're, they're, they're picture pictures. You know, when I was young, we, we didn't have that thing, you know, called, uh, you know, flash drive backups and, you know, uh, you, you actually took your you took your film to the store and you got back negatives and slides and pictures and so you know from when i was young from when my mom was young and, and you know my brother we have a bunch of pictures and i went through the process of what do i do with those pictures you know if there's a disaster that happens they're gone those are once in a lifetime things mm-hmm so again, you know, taking the time to go through this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those those important those important documents, you know, uh, you know, twenty years ago when when uh, when I got married, one of the things that Kim and I did was we we went and we changed our um, healthcare power of attorney, we changed our wills, things like that. Um, a copy of them went into a specific drawer in our house, which our family knows where it's located. So that if something happened to both of us and we're on a trip, you know, overseas or something, it's easy to get to. But in addition to that, uh, a copy of it went into our safety deposit box. Cool. So, so I mean, doing doing all these things, you you have to look at it. the way that I looked at it is I said to myself, uh, you know, granted I do this for a living for businesses, but for my personal, I said, what happens if I drove home and the house was no longer there? Uh, <laughs> fire, tornado, aliens beaming it up. I, I don't care. You know, it it just it wasn't there. What would I need? I need insurance to rebuild it. I need a plan of what was in there. I need, uh, you know, anything that would be, gosh, I wouldn't want to lose this forever. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so Tim, I'll tell you one thing that I do to take it just a little step further uh, mm-hmm. from putting my important documents in, in the uh, safety deposit box alone is I also scan a copy so that I have a copy, I have my copy, and of course that's being uh, done off-site because if the bank had a fire or the bank had, you know, somehow mm-hmm. something happened to them, it it does not mean that you would have a pa- if your passport burned up in the bank, you wouldn't. Yeah. That doesn't mean because you have a scanned copy of it, you all of a sudden still have a passport, but it would enable you hmm. to get a new passport uh, done more quickly. Uh, the yes, same with true. all of your other vital documents, because, you know, courthouses, you know, from I mean, we're 40 plus courthouses from 40 years ago didn't have scanned electronic copies of our vital records. So yes. they've got drawers of our vital records. So if they 
have a disaster, they're gone. So we mm-hmm. want to keep a copy of that. So like I said, I keep a copy electronic as well as in the bank just in case somebody else has a disaster. <laughs> yeah. True, true, true. And it made me think of it while it was while you were talking is uh, take your wallet out and, and do a photocopy of your credit cards front and back. Yeah. It's who who do you contact? Would you would you remember if you if you lost your wallet, everything that's in it? Well, and I actually I would because I I travel with a very slim wallet. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean I mean I mean I mean Costco card, Sam's card, library card, you know, and then those, those someone can't iPhone. use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're you're lucky enough to have where they'll take it that way. When I walk into co- when I walk into Costco, I can't show my phone to them. I've got to actually flip out the card to go walk in. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you, you, all my different ones. I agree with you, Peter. All my different ones, like my Speedway card and my, uh, you know, uh, my Sheets card for, you know, things like that. I have on my phone too. But, uh, but I just, you know, all the, all these things also have um, how much. This this really reminded me of something interesting. Is I remember what just happened in Puerto Rico. They became a cash based society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have a couple hundred dollars? somewhere because the <laughs> isn't banks, that funny banks, banks were handing that, that banks re- were, were handing out a limited amount of money mm-hmm. so i'm that, sorry that re- reminds me of my uh, advice for uh, how to res- how to uh, uh recover from a ransomware attack <laughs> have some bitcoin on hand <laughs> yes, you know? exactly. Exactly. yeah and just think if people had taken my advice a year ago they still would have like made back 10 times their money based on the you know down price of bitcoin today <laughs> yeah well and you know bitcoin has its has its place and of course could be used but if if something bad happened like a big tornado or something you know like puerto rico of course there's an island they're significantly more isolated you'd want to mm-hmm. your bitcoin is not going i'm not going to sell you my chicken for a bitcoin yeah. No, 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 but uh, no, but you know, well, I, I, I live in North Carolina, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, as you, as you guys know. We were hit with, I think it was Hurricane Fran, about twenty years ago, and we the the power outage from it was it was pretty much uh, almost citywide. You know, you, you know, you have very little power, and we became a cash-based society for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you you pretty much walked into a store; they couldn't slide a credit card through. No, you paid you paid cash for bread, you paid cash for milk, you you know that type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of places they had they they had power, but they didn't have phone lines, so they could you could pump gas, but how do you pay for it? Cash. <laughs> well, did you know that uh, the bank? They don't have like a hard regulation against it, but you're not supposed to store cash in your safety deposit box. That's their yes. policy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> they want you to say they want you to put your cash in your in your uh, mm-hmm. checking account or your savings account. They're like, you're not yeah, supposed to put because cash. That's in your the only way they can get money on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they can get money on stuff in a savings account in a, in a uh, safety deposit box. I mean, no, true, but but there's but there's something to say for for that whole you know roll of cash in your sock drawer <laughs> yep yep yeah or like peter peter stuffing his mattress i'm sure with uh, you know bitcoins stuff <laughs> 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 in my teddy bear <laughs> there you go oh. so so we, we we have yet adam you know we're running out of time you need to bug out bag yeah you gotta have a bug out bag well, we probably won't get the, get like, all the way through that, but uh, yeah. So, do you guys have a bug out bag? Mine is not up to date. I confess. <laughs> I, I I have to say I do not have one. I do have uh, a uh, overnight bag packed in case I ha- would have to go and uh, go out of town to do some computer work. But I do not have a bug out bag. Well, and I'll be honest too. Mine is mine is uh, 
not completely assembled uh and i need to i need to finish it out so but i do have my old truck you know if there is an emp there is no circuit boards in my old truck nice <laughs> so the carburetor yeah, got my tesla beaten there man <laughs> yeah <laughs> your tesla will be a pretty piece of metal yeah the uh the old a two-ton paperweight a two-ton paperweight yeah but my green truck you know I won't be getting away very fast. I mean, it goes 55 mile an hour downhill. So, <laughs> so the zombies will be chasing me, and I'll need Peter and Tim in the back with the crossbow and the shotgun keeping them away. But uh, no, as far as a you know disaster, you know a disaster like really, really disaster. Our government goes down and bug out bag, and it's like I said, we'll we'll have to have fun on this on another episode. Uh, I would say that the most important part there is um, it's not about focusing on being your own self-sufficient family as much as it is going to be uh, your community, you know, because, you know, society, I mean, you can't survive on your own. If you get sick, you, you know, you need other people. So I would say build the relationships with your neighbors. I mean, you don't necessarily like have to give them an inventory of, okay, I've got a generator, I've got umpteen gallons of water, you've got the grain, you know, the whole craziness. But having, having good relationships with your neighbors is probably a big first step because a community can stand up together, can work together, and share resources, and, you know, take care of each other. So that's that's probably biggest, my biggest recommendation. And a shotgun. <laughs> and a shotgun. Now that I have, that yeah, I have, and 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 and, and a crossbow. I, I actually do have a crossbow and a shotgun. Uh, you know, there the, you go. The you know you're not allowed to hunt with a tactical shotgun. <laughs> really. Yeah, you've got to have uh, you've got to have a shotgun that will only hold three shells. Uh, if you've got one, really? That, yeah, if you got one that'll a tactical that'll hold eight, you're not allowed to hunt with that shotgun without having a choke in it. At least in Tennessee, like it's kind of oh. ridiculous because well, what it, well one if you're shooting at something and you can't hit it with three. What does that matter? <laughs> well, well but, but, you know, getting back to the zombies, I mean, how do you know that you can kill it within three? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, well, shots, man. Double tap. Double tap. <laughs> Always double. Don't save ammo. Double tap. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you can't. So it, if you're hunt, at least if you're hunting in Tennessee, if you have a tactical shotgun and you only have three shells in it, that's still illegal. You still have to have the choke because while you're sitting there, you could load it up with more shells than just three. So that's very annoying, but whatever. I don't want to get into gun control stuff today. I'm in too good of a mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. It is not regulation that is going to solve the problem. <laughs> no. On that note, I think we should probably take us out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Peter. I'm not going to be here when you uh, when when you actually uh, one talk about it. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> we might have to have you again for a third episode in the span of a, a month. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a gun control argument. I mean, discussion. Discussion. <laughs> discussion. <laughs> Oh, uh, so very good. Well, all right. Uh, do do we have a nifty? Did, I wrote down Backblaze as a nifty because I'd never heard of that as a backup software. Oh, oh, did I talk about those ASMR last week? Did I talk about no, that? No, you, you, you did. I wanted to hear about it. Oh, well, it's awful. So it's I did talk about it or <laughs> oh, I just mentioned it's awful. it? You, you, me, you mentioned remember. it, but you didn't talk about it. Okay, okay. So our, I think you mentioned it before we actually got online, actually. Okay, so this is the opposite of nifty. This is un-nifty. The ASMR, the Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, it is sounds like 
somebody talking or somebody whispering or, you know, close to a microphone, but it's played in a way that you can't exactly hear what they're saying. And people will listen to those for relaxing white noise sleeping. I'm like, that's just creepy hearing voices and stuff that you can't quite hear. What that disturbs oh, kinda, me. Oh, kind of, kind of, kind of like mumbling in another room type of thing. Well, no, it's like whispering, like you know, jibber jabber that you can hear, but you can't quite make out. You know, it's like the. the I'd be, I'd be, I'd be trying to hear what they're saying. I yeah. couldn't get to sleep. Yeah. Well, and then there's this one, you know, and they've got all kinds of stupid ones. I somehow got on some distribution list on YouTube Your that backups I. Backups are not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like that. I feel like my backups aren't working. Have you done a disaster recovery <laughs> test today? And that's what they do is they whisper into it. And then there's even like, uh, like somebody kissing at the, the mic and making push sounds like that. <laughs> push, push the rig. Yeah. Time to end the podcast. <laughs> so. Get out. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should end the podcast now. <laughs> For so, more information, you can find us at blurringthelinespodcast.com. Yeah, it'd be really nice if I could actually understand. What's he saying? Because, because ASMR, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm hearing, but I'm not understanding. There is no Dana, only Zool. Yeah. <laughs> so on that note, I'll just chime in with uh, my nifty response to your nifty. Okay. And we may have already mentioned this before, but it would be the Sleep With Me podcast. <laughs> not what you're thinking, Tim. Not what you're thinking. <laughs> why? But, why is it that you guys, when you go to the gutter, think of me? I'm probably the the, the most mild mannered of the three of us. <laughs> You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> You'd like anyway. to think that. <laughs> the Sleep with Me podcast it is it's entertaining, and the first couple of times I listened to it, it didn't work, and then I went back to it again after a month or two, and it did. Uh, it, it's a guy who is referred to by some as the Bodhisattva of sleep, and all he does is he goes on and drones on about all sorts of topics. It really doesn't matter for me because, like, I usually don't even make it through the intro to the podcast because he goes on like for hours literally hours at a time about anything and like he could be reading through the phone book i heard one episode where he was reading bus stops um (laughs) he has uh recently he went through and analyzed uh, a season of doctor who but the whole uh, you know thing he goes on he's like well Welcome, friends and neighbors, ladies and gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary. This is the Sleep With Me podcast, the podcast that puts you to sleep. And (laughs) just imagine two hours of that, and however he does it. Yeah, well, the idea is not that you sit there and listen to it. It's like you put it on. And um, it it actually works. I I, have, I want I, I want to know what what Peter's new trigger keywords are because obviously he's being hypnotized during this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Fajita. <laughs> anyway, if if ASMR stuff annoys you, check out the Sleep with Me podcast. It may also annoy you, or it may be a suitable alternative. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Lexi, my youngest daughter, we were listening to a book, and there was a character in it that read real slow, and she was like, we don't have to finish this book. (laughs) It was really annoying her. So so we'll see if she likes the Sleep With Me podcast. Uh, Obviously, I have to. Podcast that puts you to sleep. (laughs) All right. So... 
So on that note, on that note, I think I will do the honors this week. All right. Um, so honor you us. Able to pop, you're honored. <laughs> if you weren't able to make out the ASMR rendition, uh, if you want more information or to get in touch with us, please hit blurring the lines uh, You can send any sort of, uh, you know, kudos and uh, high fives and five star ratings to Peter at blurring the lines Any critique can go to Adam or Tim at blurring the lines <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note, we will see you again next week with another fun-filled, thrilling, exciting episode. But for now, I am going to push the big red button. All right, that was good. Did you push it? Did you push it? Was... Hey, Adam, Adam, also you'll you have know a... when I pushed it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Hey, Adam, you have a, a a rip under your right arm. I know. Yeah, right there. It looks like my jujitsu t-shirts. These are my gym shirts, and you know they give me a hard time at the gym. But I'm like, guys, I'm at the gym, and a shirt is a hard time wearing white socks at the gym. No. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, once a shirt. See, this shirt's got spots and stuff on it, so I can't wear it for work anymore. So now it's a gym shirt. I said, you know, there's a progression. I can wear it in public. Then when I can no longer wear it in public, I wear it to the gym. And when I can no longer wear it to the gym, it goes to a rag for my truck. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) To contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us.